If you bring those two things to every training session and every game with a real empathy and understanding for the stage of development that the, the young players are at, I think what you'll create is a really positive environment and so that first experience of foundation phase playing and coaching is a memorable one. Welcome to the Liverpool FA podcast. Our aim is to provide regular insight from a variety of experts to help you in your own football journey. We'll do it through interviews, roundtable discussions and by linking to other resources to help support you. For more information about each episode, just tap the album art, which will provide you with more about our guests and links to further content. In this episode, we talk to Martin Dighton and Pete Sturgis about the recently launched England DNA Foundation Phase document, which is the FA's playing and coaching philosophy. Martin and Pete have got masses of experience of working with players and coaches, and we wanted to have them tell the story of what the England DNA is, how they've put this resource together, and how it will benefit coaches and players. We think you'll enjoy this if you're a coach or a parent involved with the younger age groups. If you want access to the resources that the guys speak about, just go to hivelearning.com slash the FA and join the coaching community for free. And from there, you'll find the England DNA foundation phase. Just a couple more things before we get started. If you're a coach in Liverpool, then next year's course program is on its way and will start to go live on Friday. That's the 17th of November. And this includes levels one and two, as well as safeguarding children, emergency aid and welfare officer workshops. And lastly, uh, the FA Grassroots Conference is being held down at St George's Park on Sunday, 3rd of December. And guests this year will include FA Technical Director Dan Ashworth, England Women's National Player and Coach Developer Marianne Spacey, Paul Simpson, who's the England Under-19s coach and Under-21s coach A.D. Boothroyd. For more information about this, tap the album art and see the link in the show notes. So that's all for now. So enjoy this one with Pete and Martin. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. If you could just summarise for the listeners briefly uh, your role here at the FA, what that entails, what a kind of typical week will look like in your lives, that would be great. Um, I lead on all things foundation phase at the FA. Um, foundation phase being fives to elevens or fives to twelves however you want to uh, divvy it up um, no two weeks are the same um, there'll be a mixture of advanced youth award supporting coaches in the clubs both in grassroots and the professional game and really for the last 16 months a major priority has been the generation of our DNA work in that foundation phase um, my role uh, within the FA is a, a regional coach development manager in the South West and West Midlands. Uh, kind of average week for me is uh, delivering courses, level one, level two, uh, and from August into UA for B. Um, but actually getting out and working with coaches one-to-one with them and their players uh, to give them more in-situ support and guidance. Um, so yeah, all things coach education, really. Thanks, Martin. So the reason why we got you both in and on the podcast this evening is... June now, July next month is a real significant 
moment, if you like, in Pete, you've already mentioned our England DNA. So if you could explain to listeners who perhaps aren't necessarily familiar with what the England DNA is and maybe a little bit more about why we're around the table tonight. Yeah, there's been quite significant changes at the FA, particularly in the technical directorate department. Um, since the appointment of a new technical director that had obviously big ramifications for how the, the organisation was going to be structured as we went, as we went forward. Um, luckily, there's, there was a real need or they recognised a real need that we needed much greater clarity on the direction that we were, we were heading towards. And out of that came this concept about the England DNA. Um, about how we coach our players, how we support them, what kind of players do we want to produce in the future, and all things related to having a real identity to the to our England teams. It was mainly focused on the seniors, 21s, and the development groups that fell underneath it. And part of our job was to look at three phases of the game, in possession, out of possession and transition and come up with some really big headline statements that could apply to those three areas but also across the phases. So we've got the same headlines whether you're in the foundation phase, the youth phase or the professional development phase. Having those nine headlines the age-specific stuff that falls out of it really comes in the descriptors that lie under the headlines. But we wanted a really consistent approach that ran right through the phases. That was three years ago. Part of my role was to say, well, four coaches, both in the professional game and in the grassroots game, who wanted to support the England DNA. What does that look like within the foundation phase? And that's what we've been looking at and working towards you know, over the last 16 months. Right. Tell us, if you can, a little bit more about those nine headlines and maybe break down some of the detail that, that sits within them, Pete. And then what we'll do is go into the process of um, and the detail around the more specific foundation phase. Some big headlines was around staying on the ball and mastering the ball, because I think there is a real desire within the foundation phase um, period to actually get the game looking like the adult game very, very quickly. For me, that's a mistake and it misses out and it grabs time that could be spent on really honing that mastery of the ball, mastery of the body and then mastery of the decisions that you have to make. You cannot compromise on that. So our staying on the ball statements and our mastery of the ball statements are really, really important. The foundation phase is also a great period for creativity. So another one of the headlines is about seeking creative solutions to the situations that the game throws at you and maybe a coach puts you in when, when you're developing. Um, so they were really important. And then we didn't want to neglect the actual passing aspect of the game. So we talk about combining creatively with your teammates. For the in-possession, we've got those three headlines that run right through the three phases. But obviously, the implications underneath each one change slightly as the players get older. We've got the same in the, uh, the out-of-possession stuff about really enjoying and being an enthusiastic defender and really wanting uh, to get real pleasure out of getting the ball back. 
It's about understanding your role, uh, both as an individual defender, if you're 1v1, but also how you can support your teammate if there's two of you. In the foundation phase, if we can, if we can get real clarity on that, that's as much as we need to do to hand the players over for the next bit. We don't have to talk about back fours. We don't have to talk about all the intricacies that we think that they might need. Let's hone in on that first defender's job and make that really, uh, you know, really safe and secure and help them develop a mastery of that 1v1. Um, as soon as you can dominate the 1v1 with the ball and without the ball, I think you've got a chance. We cannot compromise on that. When we go into the transition phase, it's more about being um, attacking quickly, making good attacking decisions and making good defensive decisions and reacting quickly to those changing moments in the game. And again, those headlines run right the way through. Thanks, Pete. Martin, talk us through your involvement in, in the process here. So this is a significant piece of work. How did you become involved in it? Tell us a little bit about the story that you've gone through with Pete to to produce this foundation phase document. Yeah, sure. The, the, the first I heard about it was a phone call from Pete uh, suggesting that he'd, he'd been asked to, and he sort of demanded, I think, as well, to, to start looking at this part of, uh, of the DNA, a really important, vital part. Um, and would I be involved? And, of course, opportunity was never going to turn, turn away. Um, th there's a small group of us working on it. Um, or who all have big experience in the foundation phase but also a real enthusiasm for that part of the game whether it's in the grassroots or the professional setting but a real love of working with children at, at that age um, and it was then a case of what do we want it to look like um, and that started in around about March 2016 and we're, we're still going on it now um, so huge opportunity to be, to be part of and something that's, that's taken a huge time to build as well uh, just our small little group, but constantly trying to bring in experts and other areas of the game to back up the work we're, we're looking to develop. How do you begin to formulate a plan such as this that we're pinning our pinning our hat on? What exactly we think that the experience a foundation phase player should should have as they they go through those years? How do you start to formulate that plan? I think um, it began with us locking ourselves in a small room for a couple of days. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was an argument, but there were debates. And it, like I said, I read it, something we're all really enthusiastic and passionate about. And we brought many opinions with us, I think it's fair to say. But very quickly, we started to realise that it was just different wording. Our opinions did actually really link together. Um, we, we were meeting two days a month um, initially. And it, it really was a case, I think, for the first couple of months, I don't think we actually got anything down on paper. It was looking at footage on the TV of kids playing a game playing their game, not the adult version of the game, as Pete's really said, their game, noticing things like just how often transition happens. Now, we all thought there was a lot of transition in the foundation phase, but when you actually watch a game and watch a game properly, it's more than you ever realise. Um, so it was just really starting to formulate what we already believed, but then to start to blend together a little bit as well. And it really was a good few months into the, the project before we actually said, right, we're starting to build some key messages now, some things that we, we can hang our hat on. Um, and as a governing body of football in this country, it's something we should have for us to say, this is what the experience for a foundation phase child should be like, because it's the most important one they'll have. It's, it's the, for many, their first feeling of what football's like. And if we get it wrong, we've lost them. 
So it's so important we do get it right. And when we all started to collectively get that opinion together, it started to flourish into quite a bit. Um, along the way, we, we've consulted with many people, um, experts from universities, but most importantly, coaches. So back in my um, my part of the world, down in Dorset, I've had a little group of coaches that I've been taking stuff back and, and sharing with. And they've been giving me feedback. They've been going and using things with their players and giving feedback on that. But we also took it around the country as well. Uh, and over 300 coaches who all were involved in the foundation phase replied uh, to a questionnaire, looking at some of the things they were doing and what they need help with. Uh, and that all those bits and pieces went into a pot that gradually helped us to build the, the tool, the the resource we're trying to build for coaches um, and we're getting close to it going live as well. Pete, Martin's mentioned there about the consultation <clears throat> and the experts that you've got in. So he's already mentioned the, the 300 grassroots coaches that are out there that are fed back into this. How did you go about formulating the, the team that you wanted involved with this and, and what was the makeup of that team and how important was that that critical process? Um, it's invaluable really um, if, I, if I take the, the way that the group was made up first of all and then I'll come on to the benefits of the consultation um, we've got very experienced members from our coach education team here from our skills program and one of our FAYCDs who obviously supports the professional game and the idea was that we wanted to represent the current landscape at foundation phase so having having members of the team who are active deliverers and supporters of grassroots in situ via our new level one and level two courses was was absolutely crucial um, one of the other members Jamie Pittman has been a uh, a shining light within our skills program for almost a decade and you cannot put a price on the kind of experience that 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 kind of coach uh, and that kind of person brings to the table um, Matty Joseph was our other um, consistent member and he supports a cluster of academies um, in the development of children within a, a slightly different environment to the one that you might find in grassroots so we wanted that blend of experiences and, and blend of really personalities because we've all got strong opinions and as Martin alluded to the more we spoke about it the words might have been different but the actual direction that we all wanted to go in was quite consistent and it became clearer and clearer if we'd have left it at that stage and just said, well, these are our opinions, I think it could have been open to a little bit more scrutiny and, and challenge. So I think bringing in the kind of people that we have, we've had our um, four corner leads in. So we've had our social corner lead uh, come in and check the work that we generated around the social corner and we did the same within the psych and the physical corner we thought we'd got the technical side pretty much boxed off but we needed to make sure that the direction we wanted to go in really met with the approval of you know those other experts that we wanted to bring their knowledge and experience to this project and that was it was great because in a very short period of time we had almost constant affirmation of what we'd generated even though they hadn't been as involved with us as, as in the process so that was that gave us a, a bit of confidence to say i think we're on the right track here yeah. 
you mentioned about those leads who came in to challenge and check around the four corners. Can you start to give us a little bit of a detail of what we can expect when this goes live across those four corners? So if I'm a, a coach working in foundation phase out there and I'm looking at, at the FA, what are the priorities for me working with, with my players across those four corners? Yeah, I think... Um if, if coaches take the time to look, there's, there's a lot of information on there. And I think one of the challenges will be how people navigate their way through looking either quite randomly for information and just scanning through it or actually really trying to hone in on certain kinds of information. If they want that four-corner detail, we've actually developed a series of hexagons in each of the four corners. And those hexagons cover the, the why the how and also the what and i think if we'd have just concentrated on the what we give coaches what they might need but there would never have been that underpinning and that deeper knowledge around those areas unless we'd have been asked them to engage with the why and the how as well so you'll find in all four corners for the way that we've split the foundation phase, which is into two distinct age groups, we've got under fives to eights and then nines to twelves. And you'll find four corner detail for the why, the how and the what and what we think are the real issues relating to young player development within those four corners. So, but you have to take the time to find it and then really begin to engage and then think, well, if those are the the key issues what does that mean to me when i'm working with my group and what content and information lies within the resource to actually support you if you want to work towards those um key areas martin pete uh, this has been a 16 month specific program of work that that you pete and the team have been working on now one of the things pete said before was there's certain details that you couldn't compromise on when you were pulling this together. What were some of the challenges that you've gone through throughout this process to um, to arrive at the point that you, you have done? The, the, the number one is that the child is at the centre of everything. They're, they're a child first. You know, Pete alluded to player development, but, but it's a child that we're, we're, we're working with in that player context. Um, so we, we've kind of got three big messages. It's about the child, number one. It's about the sport and the physical activity they're going to play, which in our, our case is football, amongst other sports that we hope they play too. And then linking the two together. So recognising what children bring. That's an absolute non-negotiable. It's not about trying to force children to do the things we want. It's about recognising they bring things with them. So for example, for the majority of children, when they lose the ball, the first instance is to run and try and get it back. And in the adult game, that's called pressing. In the kids' game, it's called chasing after the ball and try and get it back. So let's go with that a little bit and not worry about defensive shape or back fours, as Pete said earlier, but actually help them to be a better defender trying to win the ball back. Um, defending was an interesting one that came up and something we talked with around coaches. Um, is defending the wrong word in the foundation phase? Now, that does not mean we don't believe in defending. I think that's really important. Uh, and the nine headlines that Pete's already talked about and the three-hour possession, it's, it's vital. But actually, for some children, the word defender turns them off. So would the better words be first attacker, counter attacker, something like that? Is there a better way? Now this again is for the coaches out there that work with their players to know what's best and also recognise there'll be some children out there that absolutely love defending and they're less bothered about scoring goals, they're more worried about stopping them. 
Um, so there's recognising things like that. Um, other things we looked at, so Pete talked earlier about one of the headlines being around staying on the ball. Some of the research we found um, with coaches was that, that, yeah, they do lots of staying on the ball activities, but for some it was staying on the ball with no opposition. Well, that's not really staying on the ball. Staying on the ball means you can keep it when someone's trying to take it off you. So, again, what, what do children in the foundation phase ages want to do? They want a ball. They want to be playing with the ball as much as they can. But also the number one question they ask is, when are we having a match? So if we can meet the two together and make sure that the games they are played do have some opposition and they are relevant to the type of motivations they have when they come, we've got a chance of keeping them and also making sure that that experience is one they, they, they don't want to ever stop. So yeah, big one for us, child, the physical activity and the link between the two uh, are our big kind of messages. I'm getting the sense that the language that you've considered when putting this together is really significant. How important a role does the language that we use play in the development of young people? I think it's huge. Um, we can't use adult terms on a child-based game, which is which is what the foundation phase is. So one example of that is is pre-season. That's an adult term um, that that just doesn't fit with anything foundation phase related. Um, so we've put together a pre-season plan, if you like, that coaches can lift up and take off of off of uh, off of the tool um, and take away. So it's getting ready to play. It's things like games you might play with them, and, and the whole the whole tool is based around game-based activities for them. Because again, that fits with their their term. Can we play a game? It's, it's that sort of thing. Um, other things we've looked at around the power of play. Um, we did did a little bit of video research. Um, I worked with a, a couple of under eights teams. Uh, videoed them playing in a match. And then said to the coaches, do you mind if we play a third half? And, and once we'd worked out what a third half was, um, we actually stepped back as adults. Parents sort of gradually wandered off towards the car park. And I just left the video rolling as the kids played a load of World Cup Wembley games. All mixed up, two teams all mixed together. So loads of chance for social. And then when you watch the video back, and I watched it back with the two coaches, the children were different. The children didn't act like they acted during the competitive game, which is what it was to them. And of course it was to the adults around they were trying things that they wouldn't have done earlier. They were sorting out conflict for themselves. They were dealing with rules. They were refereeing their own games. They were working out fair teams. So if a pair were dominating, they'd mix the pairs up and start the game again. So actually, when we let children do childhood-friendly games, they come to life rather than enforcing an adult term onto them. So that, that was a big part of, of the way we tried to look at communication and language in particular. A lot of coaches out there might be in that situation where I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Where on earth can I can I go and find something that's going to help me to just survive this evening's session? Is there anything that will help us within this in, within the plan? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so in the three areas that the tool's broken into, the why, the how, and the what, the, the what is it a huge part. So what to coach, essentially. So if, if you're in that position where you're, you're rushing from work to your training session and you need something quickly, there'll, there'll be things for you. Um, there's over 100 practices on there already and, and more will be added. Um, but actually, they're based around so many different areas of the game. So, for example, there's futsal stuff. So if it's a winter's night and you've been clever and you've managed to work at a sports hall, you can go and do some futsal because futsal is a huge part 
of this project. Um, futsal has massive benefits for the children in their development and not just technically as well, but in a wider sense too. There are defending practices, as we've talked about earlier, defending's part of it. It may not be the, the main priority, but it's still a part of it. There are little me and my ball games. There are me and a mate in a ball games. There's a complete variety of things that they can pick up and play. But the key is, and again, language links back, it's games. That, that, that body language of the child when you say we're going to do a drill compared to that body language of a child when you say we're going to play a game. And play is the key, key word. Play is something you choose to do and children choose to play football. So we need to make sure we, we, we back up that play idea. So yeah, a huge range of practices and games take away. There's medium term plans. So if you really wanted to structure something over six weeks, for example, there, there's, there's six weeks of development ready for you. They're in that, that, that age where actually we need to be proactive around what they're learning, not reactive. So they didn't play well on Sunday. That, that's a kid's life. Uh, I'm not my best at work every day, unfortunately. Um, there's, there's a variety of challenges in there. So uh, it's a big difficulty for us, especially in grassroots, is around managing the difference in the children. Some that are flying ahead, some that come for their first time. So there's challenges in there, little try-tos, little have-a-go-ats, little bits of paper you can give the children to go and have a go at whilst you're playing in, in games and at training too. Um, a huge variety of stuff. We've got things around, um, uh, to going back to language, we, we've interviewed children and we've got the clips um, that are all built into this, this resource. Um, one, was, one was fantastic. We did a filming day in Hereford with loads of local children. Uh, in one of the games that we played, there were two goalkeepers. One was a goalkeeper. All I ever want to be is a goalkeeper. Uh, these were under nines, I think, from memory. And we have one lad who just went in goal because nobody else wanted to at that point. Uh, and both were okay. Both were quite good in goal. And we sat them down at the end and interviewed them about what they wanted to do and why they liked to go in goal. One lad was, I want to be a goalkeeper. I want to play for England in goal. Fantastic. And the other lad played a bit of rugby. So the coach had said, would you mind going in goal? Because nobody else was. So when he went, so we had some fantastic handling skills and things like that. But it was great to see the difference. And it's back to our big messages again. The children are all different. Treat each child as an individual and you've got a chance of making them better, but also making sure they love it. Uh, we've also looked at um, parents and, and their thoughts. We asked parents, what do you like in a coach? Uh, and the big resounding message that kept coming back, I like a coach who helps my child, who understands my child, and who can blame a parent for being selfish about their own child. Of course, that's what they want. That's everything. But if they can see the coach is trying to do that, as well then there's a buy-in and I think from my experience those coaches that have had really good experience with parents it is because of that the parents recognize they're trying to do the best thing for their child um, so there's examples in there as well they've asked children what do you like in your coach what makes a good coach and the resounding word that comes back is, is fun and they care about me I like them they're nice they're friendly it's all that sort of thing and um, so there's tons of stuff built into the, the resource that coaches can access around that um, and to be honest, I dare them to go and ask their children what they think of them. It might be quite a, it might be a nice thing, or it might be quite a shock. Um, that could be really good for the coaches' development, support their players even better. Pete, I'll bring you in here. Most <coughs> people will know you from being a, a real, I would say, revolutionary when it comes to coach education in this country and the way that we we look at working with the young developing player. How does what you, Martin, and the team have put together with this foundation phase plan, how does that link with the wider messages that are coming through our coach education courses? I'm thinking because I'm trying to find the right words. 
Uh, we've just gone through a, a course review with our level one and level two. And for whatever reason, the new level one and the new level two courses were developed independently to our DNA work. But because I think the FA has now got a clarity about its coach education in a way that it, it may not have had in the past, there's a real link relationship and synergy between what we've developed in the DNA and all of the key messages that are now coming out through our new level one and level two. And a lot of it is in relation to the to the relationship that the child has with the sport and the activity and the game of football that we actually present them with and they want to engage with. If that relationship is not a positive one in those early formative years, quite rightly, the child will vote with their feet and think, I'll go and do something else because I'm getting a lot more pleasure out of it. So there's a real reason why we put enjoyment and excitement and a real joy of playing quite high in the priorities of working with foundation phase children we have to hook them in and they might come with that natural desire to want to play football but we can either celebrate it or we can we can dampen it we can actually put that light out and there's no way that we can do that and our our dna guidelines and advice and it's not prescriptive. You don't have to adopt this. But if you do, you'll be working in a way that we really think fits with the child. There'll be many coaches out there who maybe just want some help with either how to influence the parents or how do I just design my practices or my match day to hook these children in what is this piece of work going to do for those coaches out there it's a real it's a really rich resource but there's a danger in that we've got over a hundred practical activities that will form part of this resource so if people just want to come and look for a session because they're a volunteer, they push for time, they haven't got the real time to plan and reflect and then refine their planning. If they just want something in line with the DNA that they can do with their, their young players, it's on there. The, if I, I've, I've actually um, recorded the introduction to the DNA today and the actual phrase I used was, if we, if we really do want to effect change that is sustainable and permanent then we've got to understand the issues related to foundation phase development in a way that we've never understood them before and that's why in our dna hexagons we're asking the coaches the adults the volunteers the parents to engage with the how and the why as well as just the hundred sessions and I think if they do that and get a real feel for what's happening with these young people who are in front of them, their ability to coach them, develop them and give them a really positive experience is just going to go through the roof. Martin, you're obviously somebody with a massive experience working with this age group, not only directly as a coach, but also as a developer and educator of coaches. What are some of the common frustrations or problems that you find that coaches struggle with when working with foundation phase players and how will the resources be able to help them overcome 
I think there's probably two main ones. Uh, one is isn't deliberate in any form, but it's it's around patience and recognizing that the children are children, that they're not mini adults, um, and a, a desire, as, as Pete uh, looked at earlier, a desire to get them playing an older, more adult game as early as possible. We need to recognize how important childhood is. Childhood is the bit where you you form your, your ideas and your loves and your enthusiasm for later in life football has to do that so actually take your time with them there isn't a rush you know if they're an eight-year-old there's 10 years till it gets serious they've got time and that's probably the best bit about being a coach in the foundation phase there isn't a rush there is time to wait for them to develop and um, and the resource will really help that the, the pete's already alluded to the the why the how and the what the why is huge the why is absolutely massive. It is backed up by child development research that tells us what children are ready for, both physically, both socially and psychologically. And when you understand that, you can then worry about the technical side. Because if you don't get those three bits right, the technical side doesn't happen because for one, they don't come back or two, their body and their brain is not in a, a place where they're ready to learn the technical side of the game. So I suppose one big thing is, is patience, Take your time with the foundation phase player or child. There isn't a rush. Um, don't get frustrated when things go wrong. They're learning and that, that's what happens. Um, the other bit is, is around parents. I think that's a big challenge for coaches. In my experience, it's normally because the parents care and that's a positive. It's just sometimes maybe not directed in the most appropriate way for the coach and what they're trying to do. So something we've built into the resource is actually some guidance. One, some guidance for parents but also some guidance for the coach. Uh, so for example, a lot of coaches do sort of um, parent meetings at the start of the season. We've put together a little presentation that they could quite happily share with their parents explaining the sort of things you'll see from the coach this season, but most importantly, the reasons why they're doing that, to meet the needs of their own child. That's the, the reason a coach is doing it, to meet the needs of various children in their group to help them. Um, so they're probably the two biggest I get from, from coaches uh, when I'm out working with them. Um, but the biggest is yeah, patience and, and we'll, we'll try and help support with parents as well. Sounds like a fascinating and I'm sure really useful resource that the coaches out there will be able to take advantage of. Pete, is, is there anything else that the coaches can expect that they might be able to, um, to use to buy in and play their part in this England DNA Foundation phase plan? I think part of the role that they can play is to really begin to understand the developing child in the way that we need them to in order to accelerate their development in all areas, not just football. Childhood is such a magical time that if we don't embrace it and use that, that magical period for their football development... I think we're missing an absolutely golden opportunity. So if you want to produce greater creative returns, that is possible within the environment that you can create in football and you can also begin to structure it in such a way that you will get or you will increase your creative returns from your players. But you've almost got to take the crown off the coach and place it on the head of the of the the young child because if you want really independent decision makers good problem solvers good game players it starts with children being given responsibility ownership and being empowered 
to play a part in their own learning. Those are really high-level skills. But if, if the coaches and the adults who are interested in the foundation phase begin to engage with our DNA resource, I think it will begin to demystify some of those things. And then a greater understanding will develop and over time, they can then begin to support in a way that they might have only dreamed of. They can support the development of that next generation of England players because we get them first. And it starts in the foundation phase. And we can confine them and restrict them or we can set them free and we can really set them on this, this path that's going to be really, really exciting. I've got two follow-up questions there, Pete. Um, you talk about responsibility ownership and empowerment if i'm a foundation phase coach listening in how might i start to to give that or as you said put that crown on the uh, on the child's head how might that responsibility ownership and empowerment start to look in my practice this is a really tricky and complicated one so it's really easy for me to throw out those phrases and say this is all you have to do it actually requires a really skillful approach in how you how you do this. I've had coaches who've communicated with me and said, look, Pete, we've tried this empowerment thing and it just doesn't work or it's absolute chaos. And I think in the early stages, the coach has to decide what they're willing to give ownership and responsibility over. Because if you give too much too soon, the child's not ready for it anyway, so it's likely to backfire. You get your fingers burnt, it looks chaotic, the parents are watching, you're embarrassed, so you never go there again. So what you have to do is do it almost in little baby steps. So it might be things like um, with a young foundation phase group and you want to warm them up. So the question might be, who, know, who plays Bulldog on the, on the playground at school? Right, let's set up a game of bulldog, but you can be in charge. So decide who's going to be the bulldog, decide which end you're going to run from, and then we'll go from there. F from that very basic level where you're giving some of the power within the, 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 the session over to the players, that can grow. And once they grasp that they are an integral part of this whole learning process, they'll be ready for more. And then you can begin to give them more ownership. So let's think of a way that we can adapt this game. Um, how can we make it more challenging? How can we make it you know, a little bit easier? Because this is quite tough. And then work f with the children's ideas, however random they might be. And that's where Martin's point about being patient is. Because if you don't get the answers you want and you disregard them, the kids are going to quickly work out that you might be asking the questions, but you're not really bothered in the responses because we've given you some and you haven't gone with it. So I, it, this is a really complicated and highly skilled um, concept that we're trying to get over, but it has to start somewhere. And with you taking a risk and just letting a little bit of the power go, I think it's a great place to start. And second part of the question, I have to be careful how I word this. You're one of the most experienced coaches that I know. What are some of the differences that you've seen later on in the young person or player's development when they've been brought up in this environment that encourages creativity, responsibility, ownership and empowerment? 
one of the biggest areas is their ability to reflect because part of giving ownership and responsibility also sends out a message that i trust you and and i know you won't um i know you won't take this responsibility and misuse it so as a way of building a real relationship between you and the player or players built on trust and respect giving some kind of ownership to the players and responsibility is a great place to start once you've built that trust then the the honesty that begins to come out when they when you work with them to reflect and just review on how things are going i just think it's 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 one of the best things ever but it's all based on trust so when i said it has to start somewhere every relationship begins from just almost a germ and then it grows as you build that you know relationship and partnership with the player um so it is really worth it it might be a struggle in the, the you know the early weeks and months but it certainly is something i would ask coaches to persevere with martin how long do you think it will be before we start to see this plan starts to bear fruit it's the million dollar question uh, it, it comes down to how the game really believe and start to buy in um but our big belief is that if you put the child first, you're on the way to doing that. Um, I, I mentioned earlier a foundation phase child, so from under five to 12. It's years before we may see that in the England side, if that's the, the only sort of quantifiable way of looking at success. But also look at the players. You know, Pete's talked about trust. Um, I, I can think of children I've worked with in the past. You see them grow as people. Uh, and when they turn up at training saying, I've been away practicing this, can I show you? And they've gone from being a child that was quite introverted, quite unsure of themselves, quite worried about coming to football is suddenly arriving, wanting to show you something rather than the other way around. Um, so it depends how you define success, I suppose. Um, but if you want to be a DNA coach, if you like, if we can coin that term maybe, um, and you buy into some of this sort of stuff, as Pete said, it might be tough initially when you, you do try different things as a coach that's scary but it's about learning and getting better and if we're doing that then the kids are probably going to be doing that too mm. Pete is there anything else that you want to get across to the coaches that are listening in with bated breath I think one of the big things is that because because we are experienced that one of the worst things we can do is is not really accept how difficult this is and we've all been on such a long and and convoluted journey to get where we are it would be really remiss of us to say this is all you need to do because it, it is so much more than that but within the resource i think there's lots that coaches can um hook into try to understand and then the acid test is taking that and just seeing what it's like within their domain within their context and with the players that they work with be prepared to be humble to accept that just like the players that we will make mistakes and we have to learn from them but in learning from them we're gonna we're gonna develop and, and get better you know ourselves so i think that's a really important process and we're almost reflecting as coaches what the journey that the players are going through as they're learning the game so i think it's it, it's really important this is not easy working the dna really demands that you not only know the game
but you also have a real affinity and understanding of the, the, the young child that's in front of you. If you can begin or if you bring those two things to every training session and every game with a real empathy and understanding for the stage of development that the, the young players are at, I think what you'll create is a really positive environment. And so that first experience of foundation phase playing and coaching is a memorable one. And that's one of our key priorities. It must be memorable and it must want to get the kids running and knocking down the door for the next session or the next game. Martin? I th I like to, to follow up on Pete, what's just said there about knocking down the door for the next one. So what we've talked about is, is kids that come running from the car. They can't wait to play. They can't wait to be part of your coaching session. Um, they can't wait to find out what you've got for them next, what the next game is. Um, that's the sort of coach we want. Um, the coach who understands the child and, and what they need and is not necessarily trying to create footballers although of course we'd like that but actually trying to help the children get better in many many other ways as well so for example um, in, in the social corner we talk about recognising how children start to form relationships um, in the psychological corner how some of the youngest ones at five and six may still be trying to work out what's fantasy and what's reality and when you start to recognise that as a coach, you can then understand what they need. So sometimes it's frowned upon that oh, I'm going to I'm going to do a practice today that's about pirates trying to get through the sea of sharks. Well, that fits absolutely perfectly with a child of five and six years old because it fits with their daily life. Recognising that they live in a very short term world. So as much as winning and losing for us as a coach is a big deal for a lot of children, it's a big deal in the moment. It's life or death at the time. But two minutes later, their life's moved on and they're thinking about the Xbox when they get home. Hopefully they're actually thinking about going out and playing and having a go at some of the things you've taught them recently. But it's really trying to recognise they are children first, football is second. And when we do recognise that, we've got a chance to help them get a little bit better. It's inspiring. And it reminds me of a time when... I took our grassroots under sevens team a few seasons ago, my, dipping my toes into the water of that age group and uh, I fell into the classic mistake of trying to put football first. Um, it soon backfired and then when I mentioned SpongeBob SquarePants, everything changed almost instantly. Um, really inspiring, Pete. Martin, can't thank you enough for this. It's, um, it's been great. By the time we've recorded this podcast in June, but by the time that this comes out, the um, the full details of, of our plan for foundation phase in the DNA will be out and live. Where can coaches go who are listening in to find out more and play their part in this? We are on a time scale so that the first phase of the DNA in the foundation phase is released in as part of the July edition of the boot room they the the boot room will um identify some of the big headlines from our dna resource and give you a, a a brief snapshot of it within that july edition but then there'll be a link to hive where more content um and more information and resources will lie and that will be the format while it has its temporary home within the boot room and hive that each month there will be some headlines about the dna 
in line with uh, the boot room's content plan for the year and then links to more information and details within hive so we want the we want the coaches to if they're not um engaged with hive or they're not logged in or registered with it to engage with it so that they can access this content and this resource as soon as it's available um so within certainly within the next month the content will be available because we are now sending it in to be formatted and processed ready for the launch on Hive and in the boot room. Great. And what we'll do is put all the links to all the resources, downloads, uh, hivelearning.com slash the FA, I think is, is, the, uh, is the website. We'll put all those directly into the show notes so that the um, coaches listening in can just tap directly through to them. I did mention during our chat that it's not prescriptive. It is the FA's opportunity to offer real help, support and guidance to, to those adults working in the foundation phase. That's, that's the key. And if coaches want to work within the DNA, then what we're saying is here's a resource that might help you do that. Um, so I think that's important. But it's not the finished article. This is going to be a continual project for us, certainly for me, for the foreseeable future, because the game changes. There's new research and we're trying to keep it in line with the latest research. And we want to add to this so that it becomes really content rich. But the real significance of this resource will be coaches who access it, try to understand it and then really use it to impact upon their delivery with with the children that is the real key and the real magic of this whole thing Pete Sturgis Martin Dighton thank you very much thank you thanks Jack thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show please help spread the word or leave us a review on iTunes I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode you can reach me on Twitter at Jack Walton 1 and don't forget to follow Liverpool FA at Liverpool underscore CFA See you next time.